0: I'm Whitney Walker and this is the Women Waken Podcast, where I interview guests who are in the field of healing and spiritual work using their unique gifts of the divine feminine. We talk all about these amazing gifts that these particular guests have and how they're bringing them forth in the world. On this episode, I welcome the mystic Dr. Melissa Sophia Joy. Dr. Melissa is a naturopathic doctor of mind, body, and spirit. She is a spiritual teacher, the founder of Sophia Healing Academy, and focuses on somatic awakenings. Dr. Melissa shares with us what a somatic awakening is, how ascended masters have taught her how to connect with the divine feminine and to bring forth the divine feminine conscious into our world. She shares about her decade long dark night of the soul, what occurred and how it brought her into this place of activating her soul and really connecting with her higher self. We discuss concepts such as sovereignty. We have a beautiful and enlightening conversation. So take a listen, enjoy, and here's my guest. Hello, Dr. Melissa Sophia Joy. Welcome to the Women Waken podcast. Thank you so much,
1: Whitney. I'm so delighted to be here and On this podcast for waking
0: women. Yes, uh, this is my my heart's desire. So thank you for inviting me. I am so grateful to have you because you are truly just a, a wealth of and a source of great insight and information and understanding. You know, we were speaking before we started about how we're at such a time that people like myself are feeling in this in between time where. We're not who we thought we were, but we're not yet sure what that means or who we are. And to me, it's kind of this in-between of who I understood myself understood myself as you know, my ego, my identity, but then moving into more of a spiritual connection, a soul connection, a bigger picture view. That's been a theme that's been coming up for me a lot is the bigger picture. And it can be hard to move into the bigger picture when you're used to a smaller picture of life, of what life is, of what it means, and to suddenly kind of have your understanding expand can be a little alarming, abrasive. Mm-hmm. So it's so important at this time to have people like yourself who have really come gone through cuz you went through a really challenging period to get where you are today. To sit in this gorgeous, it looks like almost like crushed velvet couch, is that what I'm seeing?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is velvet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> looks like a, a throne, such a regal throne. I love it. And the backdrop with the beautiful heart and the, I love the red. It's so wonderful to have you and to have you be able to share after you've been through so much. Cause so, mm-hmm. you know, you are, you're a naturopathic doctor. You're also a mind, body, spirit specialist, a spiritual teacher. You founded the Sophia Healing Academy. And you're also involved in somatic awakening, which I can't wait for you to talk about. So all of these things that came about from, didn't you say it was a decade-long dark night of the soul? a decade-long, <laughs> so, yes. Very oh my goodness, Melissa, that's so long. Um, yes, it was. So could we, now that we've introduced you, we've established you know, some of your work, you're an oracle, you're a mystic. How did you get here? Where did you start? Were you always you know, uh, aligned with these sort of things, really spiritual, or did you used to be also kind of in sort of the smaller view, 3d place? Can you share that, that journey and, and a bit about that decade long might have to, you might have to, uh, you know, shorten it down a little bit, but just give us (laughs) an idea. What was that like? Cause also I think, uh, a lot of us are having these prolonged Dark nights, where it's like, when is the light coming? When is the change coming? During my spiritual awakening, it's it's a death process, right? It's a transmutation, a transformation, and sometimes it feels like, when is it done? <laughs> you know. So if you could offer something, that would be wonderful about Absolutely. your
1: journey. You know, I think I just want to first of all just reflect back on what you just said. Like, when is it done? And then, of course, I'll I'll talk about my history what I have discovered is that awakening is a path. There are many, many, many doorways of initiation that we go through. And every time we go through a significant doorway of initiation into who we truly are, something has shifted. The old ways of being, the dense contractions, the ego voices, they're shifted and it we bring in more light. But that can be really confusing to the ego. The ego doesn't really want to have anything to do with it necessarily because it's change. It can be very, very intense, very drastic change. And so my sense of the awakening journey and a lot of what I've been through is that it is a process of allowing more and more light in. And as that light comes in, the light goes into the darkness. There's a upheaval integration. It can be upheaval. But the integration, as we go through it more and more, it can be filled with more and more ease and grace. Hallelujah for that. But the thing that I just want to say is that my sense of it is that it doesn't really stop. It just keeps on expanding us into the oneness field that we are, right? Because some people have just jumped into that oneness field, like people that have had near-death experiences or say, for instance, Eckhart Toll. what happened to him? He just jumped And over like a 24-hour period, and all of a sudden he was in this awakening process, but it was so intense for him, he ended up on a park bench because he couldn't work, right? So we don't have to do that to ourselves. It doesn't have to be that extreme. So in essence, we take a few steps out into the light, we integrate back, we take a few more steps, integrate back, and then it just unfolds more and more as we go into this awakened state. So to go back to your first question in terms of well how did how did this come about in my own life i'll just say i was born and raised in this house and i uh, was born and raised in a southern baptist church so a lot of my own natural abilities as a mystic or as a psychic was very suppressed during that time and I knew that I knew more than a lot of other people knew. I was very empathic, very intuitive. I could track people. I could, especially, um, you know, in any type of difficult traumatic situation with family members or whatnot, I I knew more than I let on to know. But once I got out of there and really started diving deeper into um, spirituality and asking questions, I remember I spent... A summer at a yoga and meditation retreat center and that was the first time I ever really came into direct full contact with the divine that was the first what I'll call awakening experience with divine mother and I knew from then on out my life would be forever ever ever changed and so from there I started integrating yoga and meditation more and more into my life as a yoga teacher for many many years And then during that process, I was going to naturopathic medical school. The year before I graduated from naturopathic medical school, I had this initiatory experience where ultimately what happened was that it felt like my boundary that normally separates us from our present life understanding and our past life understanding, it ripped. It literally ripped. And that caused me to go into some... Massive tailspin because I started having all of these memories, multiple memories of dying and being burned to death and tortured and this and that. And it was so completely overwhelming that I went on a journey to figure out, well, how how am I supposed to be with this? What am I supposed to do? This is, you know, we have normally a lot of trauma in our own lives, right? But when we all of a sudden have memories for thousands of years with all the trauma that's in there, it was completely overwhelming to my system. And so I went on a long journey with a set, with a lot of therapists, a lot of healers, a lot of naturopathic doctors that were doing all sorts of different types of, you know, mind, body modalities and had some level of healing. But that really threw me into... A tailspin. And I graduated from naturopathic medical school. I ended up getting married. Uh, We had a baby. You know, I was teaching uh, at New College of California. I was starting to actually have some stability in my life. And then when my daughter was four, everything fell apart. My teaching job fell apart. That was primarily what I was doing. I was a director of a program. My then husband asked for divorce. Um, That was in 2008. That was when the financial crash happened. I I went into bankruptcy. There was so many, many different pieces that happened. But that was really just the beginning because then what happened is that these memories that had started to surface earlier started really coming up in a very deep and very profound way. And I discovered that... I could not really find the level of peace and healing in my body just doing what I was doing uh, with the different modalities that I was, I had been trained in and going to therapy and therapy is amazing. And, And I know you're a therapist, so it, it's, it changed my life. It totally stabilized my life, but in terms of the feeling level of healing that I really most desired in my body, I realized I need to do something different. And I knew that I had this connection to spirit in a very powerful way. I was still meditating. Um, I could still, you know, starting to come into contact even more with Ascended Masters, especially Yeshua and Mary Magdalene and the Christ family and Kuan Yin and others. So what ended up happening is that I literally broke open, got down on my knees, went into full-on surrender. You know, that's what we do when we go through Dark Night of the Soul. It says, okay, are you ready to surrender now? And what about now? Uh, what about now? <laughs> right. So I just kept on opening more and more. And I was like, okay, show me how to heal this because I have no idea how to heal it. And that's when Yeshua and Mary Magdalene came to me in a vision and said, okay, it's time for you to go through initiation. We're going to show you how to do this. And Mary Magdalene started coming to me in these inner visionary states and these inner transmission states showing me how to heal this contractive, traumatic, shadowy, dense energy that was coming out in my own somatic experience from these memories. So fast forward, what ended up happening is that this modality deeply and profoundly healed my life and awakened me to a consciousness way bigger than i had ever contacted to my true essence, to my spirit embodying in my being, my soul being activated, my soul's mission being activated, which before I thought my soul's mission was to be a healer and an naturopathic doctor. But no, actually my soul's mission is to share this teaching with the world, this teaching that I now call somatic awakening, which is a healing practice as well as a spiritual practice that not only heals us, but leads us into some of the deepest and most profound connections to our true essence. So that's it in a nutshell, very small. I could go on and on and on about how, because it's a 10 year process, right? But that's the overall gist of it.
0: Thank you so much for sharing about your journey. So where, I I have so many questions, where does that, leave you now. You said that you now, you you recognize your soul's purpose is to share about this work. So, and you said that specifically is somatic awakening. Can we go into detail about that? Because if, so somatic, I know is, is, as a therapist, somatic is about in your body, right? It's about being attuned and how things are stored in your body, working things through your body, being aware of your body. So does that, does it mean that you're awakening something that's sort of held within your body? You know, like the knowledge that's held within you or what, how do you just define a somatic awakening?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a really good question. Mm-hmm. So, there, and there's many different pieces to it. So, first of all, before I uh, address that specific question, let me give some, some preface and some overview so it'll make more sense. So, in essence, what we're doing with somatic awakening is that we first... Well, uh, let me back up here and say the first aspect of somatic awakening that came on board is called the practice. And I'm going to be talking primarily about the practice. However, since I have actually started practicing this with my patients and teaching this, there have now been born three aspects of somatic awakening. One is called Gestalt Somatic Awakening, which is actually based on um, you know, Fritz Perl's work, as well as some of the work of the voice dialogue. In essence, what that does is that it really helps us get in relationship with our psyche, our parts, right? So it brings stability from what I call our higher mind and adult consciousness, right? Very similar to a lot of the kind of therapeutic work that's done. And the reason why we need this is because some people are so activated with... With the parts and the programs and the stories and the negative thoughts that it's difficult for them to even ground into the deeper aspects of the practice right? So the practice is the second phase which I'm going to talk a lot about in a moment. And then the third phase is quantum somatic awakening, which really helps us bring in our higher self even more to our daily life. So the practice is what was taught to me by Mary Magdalene and it is the the has the biggest thrust, so to speak. regard to this practice so in essence what it is is that we begin with grounding so it can really be fully present in our body because so many people are out of their body you know they're in the future in the past or in you know their higher perspective of like oh i'm already awakened but really i have all this stuff inside of my body right which can feel true, right? But we're holding a lot of density in our body. So we start with grounding to get in our body. Then we connect to our higher self. Specifically, the, there's so many different ways to do that. The easiest and the, and the fastest way that I've discovered to do that is to connect to our eighth chakra, which is about 17 inches above our head. And this chakra holds a lot of our higher self energy that's outside of our body. So from here we align to higher self witness consciousness. And this is a part of our higher self that has the ability to be present with whatever is arising from a very powerful, but very neutral compassion and love. Now, a lot of people will use the word witness consciousness, especially in the mindfulness paths. Um, And it's similar, except there is a big, huge difference. The biggest difference is that the witness that I'm helping people connect to is exactly aligned and arises from our higher self. So then we bring this higher self-witness consciousness into the body. And then at that point, whoever is actually doing the practice, I'm leading them, or I'm experiencing, or I'm leading a group on, what happens is that their own somatic wisdom takes them to the place that most needs attention so that could be for instance the abdomen or the right knee or the left elbow right so in essence what happens here is that the witness comes into contact with any place that needs attention this could be a heavy energetic contraction that comes from trauma whenever they were 10 but it's been stored in the body it could be a memory Of say for instance their father dying and all of the different aspects of trauma that they experience one upon another that's left in their right hip right or it goes on and on and on there's so many different stories of why we are holding trauma in our body and it could be this lifetime it could be past lifetime it could be familial inheritance of trauma so there's many different Ways that trauma shows up. So, in essence, what happens is the higher self witness consciousness holds this powerful, very, very significant space for whatever is showing up from a very loving, very unconditional, very present, uh, very non judgmental perspective. And this, there's a magic that happens in the relationship. The relationship, in essence, has this being really established in their being? And this part, this contraction, this trauma, this whatever, whatever this is that's holding on to this contraction, what happens is that over time it starts to trust. And when it starts to trust, then higher self energy and divine energy can actually come directly and to make contact with it. So imagine, if you will, a contraction like this it's afraid, it's frozen, it's contracted, you know, it's hidden right? So maybe there was some really intense violence or abuse that happened at five and they ended up in the closet and this part got contracted, hidden in the closet of ourself, right? Higher self shows up with it, higher self-witness consciousness. So in essence, there's a conversation that happens over time. And then what happens is that eventually this contraction says, okay, what I really need is deep love, and powerful presence because i felt so abused and so neglected and then divine energy can actually come in and meet it it's so much more beyond a visualization because in the actual presence of it in that moment there is literally a conduit of divine energy that comes in and heals this deep place that has been felt like it's been forgotten or lost or contracted or frozen over sometimes decades, sometimes lifetimes. And that, when I witness that, when I've experienced that, it's pure magic. That's what it feels like. It feels miraculous. And this alchemical transmutation occurs so that the trauma in our body shifts. And the more that we do this, the more... Our body actually allows the higher self energy to be present because we're not holding so much density. We're not holding so much um, weight within the shadow. And as this happens more and more, what occurs is that your soul's light becomes more activated. Because what I've been shown and what I've experienced is that. Our soul, we can come into contact with it at any time. But if we have a lot of density of trauma, say for instance, a person went through multiple years of abuse um, from childhood, for from you know when they were born until 15, right? So that trauma actually not only causes a density in their field, it also covers the brightness of the soul because the soul is free, but the ego wants to say safe. The ego's more interested in safety than it is freedom. And if the soul was truly leading, then we would be all about freedom. We would be all about love and light, right? So the density of the trauma and the ego contractions kind of stuff the, the, the soul down. As you dissolve and transmute these energies, then you come into contact with the divine that's in the very center of your soul, the divine essence that never left. So this is somatic awakening.
0: Wow. That's remarkable. And uh, so many things you said really jumped out, especially what you just said, which is that the ego is more interested in safety than freedom because I often speak that freedom is my favorite word. It's the word that resonates strongest with me that it's what really first came into my conscious awareness. When I started having my spiritual awakening was we're not free here. We're all imprisoned of our own accord, mostly in other ways too, but mostly we imprison ourselves. And I just kept thinking, why, why do we do this? Why are we not free when we have the ability to be, we can be free. And, what you just said—that feels like the answer—is because, well, what else would happen when we're so attached to the ego? We're more attached to the ego than connected with the soul, the spirit. If when we are more connected to the soul, we're, we are free because we recognize there's nothing else. Of course, we're free. What else would we be? But the ego says, "Of course, we're not free. It's scary out there. We have to stay safe, right? We have to stay in these, you know, compartmentalized containers." to be safe. Because freedom is scary. You're out there. It's not, you know, you can't determine it, right? You can't put parameters on it. The ego is all about um, labeling and parameters, better than, less than, you know, good, bad. The ego makes all these calls. The soul knows nothing of it because it's free. There's no containing it. So that's so interesting when you say that, because then it really helps me to see that truly an awakening is going from that ego place of containment to the soul place of freedom, of limitlessness, of our infinite power. And I love that you describe how we unlock things because as you said, when you're stuck with that debris that can feel like it's layers upon layers, if you've had years of early trauma or messaging or things happening that really just create this belief in yourself and your mind about who you are, who you're not, it can feel so overwhelming. Like it just, there's no way out of it. it can feel like you're buried by it. Right. But it sounds like you find a way to help people somehow get through those layers and back to what's true. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, as you were speaking,
1: I uh, just had a thought of an experience that I had that really brings this forward even more. I remember the very first time I had what I would call a complete... I can't say understanding because that's a linear perspective, but I'll say an experience of a complete awakening where I understood myself beyond even the unified field into the oneness of everything, knowing that I am nothing and that I am everything all at the same time. This is at the end of a meditation retreat with a really incredible spiritual teacher. And I had this experience, and this is what I've been most wanting. I had been meditating for days and days and days and wanting for, to have the spiritual experience. That's why I was there. And what happened is that as I started having this full experience, I could also see what it was really asking me. And what it was really asking me was to let go Of any contraction that says, I am not this, which is the ego, right? And the ego was like, hell no, I'm not going to let go of that. Retreat, 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 back up. No, 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 no. And I could feel... You know this dichotomy, the separation, and my ego started pulling me back over here, and I was like, and my spirit's like, no, I really want this. Yeah. But what ended up happening is that from there, I was starting, I was able to to more fully integrate an understanding of how the ego actually keeps us from fully opening our hand into the true essence of freedom because freedom, you know, there's the definition of, you know, I am a divine sovereign being, which is one of my most favorite sayings ever, right? Because we are divine sovereign beings and this is what we're learning how to do. But in the biggest sense of awakening, we are one with all things. We are one with the divine. We are one with love. We are in this oneness field, which is a lot to ask of, of uh in terms of us integrating that on a daily basis. So, what I have discovered through my own experience and working with many, many people who either have a very serious traumatic background or are very highly sensitive and um have had trauma, and but it's really gloms onto their being because they're so sensitive, mind-body issues, et cetera, et cetera. What I've discovered is that the more trauma, and perceived trauma that we have, the more dense our ego and the harder it is to awaken. That doesn't mean that awakening doesn't happen. It just means that we need to be super aware, as well as not pushing. One of the things that I like to say the the most is ease and grace and right and perfect timing, right? Because whenever we have this really intense, egoic contracted small dense box that we are kept in right there's a reason for it and the reason for it usually is because it's keeping us safe and if we had a lot of trauma it's like hell no i'm not going to let go of this because this is what keeps me safe however whenever you come to contact with it from your higher self and the divine and the ascended masters and the angels in literal direct contact with it then one part at a time starts to soften and the box is no longer uh, needed to be held so intensely, things open more and more and you have more ability to relax back and go, oh yeah, I'm one with all things. Hallelujah.
0: And so it is. What do you think, Melissa, about, because one of the hardest things about working within sort of the spiritual realm realm with our soul a lot of it is um trusting the process i think trusting and surrendering because what you just described when you said that you were at that point where you felt your soul was like ready to fly but your ego was like no like come back here like you still have to have these worries and fears and you know kind of keeping you what made the difference when were you because what i'm getting at is how do we know cuz i i feel stuck in that place and it's like do is it more work on my part or is it just does it just take time is there gonna come a time where it's easier to move away from it or do certain things have to happen first is it a part of my um like your dharma path where it's like certain, you're gonna right. learn certain lessons where eventually cuz me cuz sometimes i wonder well maybe it's just not my time yet cuz i feel like my ego has my it's claws in me you know like there's certain <laughs> things that i'm just like i don't know how to I can meditate all I want. I can talk to the most amazing people and take, you know, work with all these healers, but it's it's just not letting go with certain things. And mm-hmm. I again I speak to this because I don't think I'm alone. I think that there's so many of us at this time who are like, well, I don't know if it's possible. So what yeah. when did you finally did it feel like something just shifted for you? Was it something you did? Or did it feel like it was just that step in your path where it was like, oh, I think it, I'm it's time now.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a really interesting question and uh, I completely understand it. And just like in all things that I have discovered on a spiritual path and especially regarding awakening and enlightenment, there's no one answer. It's definitely not black and white. So just prefacing what I'm going to say with that. So what I can most authentically speak to is my own path. So I'm going to bring that into light. So one of the reasons why I say that I was in a dark night of the soul for 10 years was because that's when it felt like I, like between the, I'll call it the, between the 10th and 11th year, it felt like some massive shift happened where I was no longer living in this place where I was being pulled down so much by the dark, but it didn't happen just between 10th, the 10th and 11th year. I would say at the sixth year, that's whenever things started really shifting. And the seventh year got better. Eighth year got better. Ninth year got better. Tenth year better. Eleventh year, that's when a massive shift happened, right? So I'm saying it that way because it is a step-by-step process. And this is one of the reasons why I say with ease and grace and right and perfect timing, this is part of the integration of every healing that I work with, with Every, every person, and it's something I say a lot in my teaching, because we really want to find that right and perfect timing. We do want to find that right and perfect timing. We don't want to push the field too much because if we if we push the field too much and we take, for instance, uh, a huge step, let's say we take 20 steps this way, and our ego is not quite ready to deal with that level of light in our being running on a daily basis, then what will happen is that we take 18 steps back this way, right? I don't know if you've experienced that before, maybe 15 steps, right? It's still movement forward. But usually in that kind of situation, one can have a healing crisis or integration Symbols, integration, you know, ascension symptoms, all sorts of different types of things can come on. So we we do want to find that ease and grace and that flow. And it also requires incredible commitment and courage and devotion. Because when we are working with our ego stories, the parts, the contractions, and we come into contact with them, they can have, they can share some gnarly stuff right? I mean even things that we didn't uh, know about like for instance like past life torture. Oh my god, that's so hard. I'm not saying that everyone has to go through that. Uh, please don't take that <laughs> the wrong way. But that was something that I had to work with and actually come to a place of healing and and allowing for that level of intensity and contraction and fear and terror to actually come into such a place of healing that it alchemically transformed, right? As an example. And when that happened, that level of me was free. That level of my ego was free. Then there are other things that, that that come on, right? So we do really have to be courageous as well as persistent in regard to that. So one of the things that I really like to recommend to people is be really focused on your spiritual path, your spiritual path may evolve and shift and look different ways in different years, and different decades. You're going to be studying with different people, as well as listen to your intuition. Who do you feel called to? Like there might be a teacher you're like, I'm going to study with her or with him, or this is the path for me. I'm going to go to this retreat. I can really feel my, my, my soul, my heart, my being pulling me there. And so if you if you feel that, then listen and act on it, right? find a way to make it happen. And I know for myself, whenever I've heard those calls and I've actually listened to it and acted on it, then my life was completely and utterly transformed, right? So one step at a time, listen to your intuition, stay committed to your path, and, you know, continue to work, working with others, who, ha- who have navigated the path enough so that they can hold space for you, right? We do need space help for us. All healers need healers. Uh, all, all of us need support. And this is one of the reasons why we're connected on such a deep level in terms of our human connection, our communities and humanity in general. Yeah. I hope that helped. I know it wasn't, oh. a very, it wasn't like one answer, but it at least opened yeah. the
0: it's perfect. It's, and that's exactly what is needed is just this encouragement of, I mean, you're a spiritual path. It's a path, right? So it's not a, right. it's not just a place. It's something that we're moving down, moving along. And I think mm-hmm. that's important to remember, because just as you indicated, you noticed that during your decade long span, it wasn't like all of a sudden you're like from zero to a hundred, like, oh, it's terrible. And then, oh, I'm here. Five right. years, something starts changing. Six years a distinctive shift, a distinctive wow, this is when it really started moving. And then you mm-hmm. see that the next four years were where it kind of picked up pace. So that's very encouraging to know that it's even if it takes a lot longer than we would like that it is still happening. And I know that because as a therapist and doing my own therapy, you know, people don't notice their progress. Right. Um, there was a quote I read once that I love that was like, if you're if you're hauling coal and all you're doing is staring at your pile, all you're going to see is what's left. You're not going to see how much, you know, you're, if you're not looking at what you've done, you're, all you're going to see is, oh, there's so much left to haul. Right. And um I sort of think of this, the way they've discussed those layers, I've called it soul coal, like the coal that's like covering us, that we're trying to like move out of the way so that yeah. our lights can shine. Because that's what I feel like is happening on this planet is our light is kept. It's mm-hmm. kept by the ego. It's kept by these false notions created by trauma and messaging that's false about who we really are. And it keeps our light from shining. And the more that we sort of, you know, shovel it away, we get closer. So, but it's important to notice the progress. Cause again, bring it back to therapy. I have clients who are like, I feel like I haven't, you know, I'm still struggling with this and that. It's like, yeah, but look at where you have come from. Look at where you were three months ago, six months ago. And they'll say, oh yeah, you're right. That it is kind of different. It is changed. So. That's encouraging. I think again, it's just always hard when you face a new hurdle, and you're like, "Great, (laughs) this again." Okay, so I guess it's just like you know, struggle after struggle. But you know, I I have found, I will say, and I I, again, I tell clients this is that I truly believe that you know, the universe, spirits, whoever will put in your path what you're ready for for your greatest growth, for your highest good. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes things will happen, and I'll say, "Why did this happen?" You know well, what? Who needed this? I didn't think I needed this. I don't want this. Right. But because it, it, for some reason, I was ready for that challenge. Yes. I was ready right. for the the grit and the growth that that would provide for me. Mm-hmm. And and I think and you know, I I tell people this when I work with them is that it's actually a great indication when you have challenges because it shows that your soul is ready to level up. It's ready to come forward. It's ready to evolve. Yes. If we weren't ready, it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't be shown to us. I, I think, yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to go back to you mentioned earlier. Use the word sovereignty, and you said that that's mm-hmm. one of your favorite. You said you said sovereign path or sovereign growth. What, what divine, was it? I think I said uh, divine sovereign self. So yes, your divine sovereign self. So can we talk a bit about the word sovereignty? Because it was interesting. I kind of started my major spiritual awakening in like 2019 into 2020. And in 2020, I received, I was gifted a tarot deck. And that was the first time I really kind of tapped into, you know, okay, do I have some abilities? Like, am I meant to kind of explore this realm? Because I'd never really thought about it. And the deck that I got is this beautiful Arthurian tarot deck, which is like King Arthur Middle Ages. And are you familiar with the tarot, the different cards? yeah. 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 And so, you know, that there's the justice card, well, in this particular deck, justice was called sovereignty, oh. and she's this woman, and she has this like candle coming out of her head, and she's just like this brilliant. Like she just seems strong and very, and she has like um, you know, like two, you know, it's the scales, right? It's justice, and so it's just she's sitting there, just so straight up, just so focused. And there was something about that that just for the rest of that year, sovereignty was like my theme. It was, and it's it's funny because it's kind of hard to define. I think a little bit, it's your sovereign being. It's like your own beliefs. Like you in your sovereign self is like, what do you, what's your truth? But also like, where do you stand for your truth? And where do you stand? Even if somebody else, everybody else says it's wrong. When can you say, you know what, but this feels right to me. To me, that's sovereignty because it's, as you said, it's trusting yourself and your intuition. Because that's another thing I think that we, why we kind of can lose our way or why we don't find our way is because we, I think a lot of us have trouble trusting ourselves and believing that we can think outside of the common narrative or common beliefs. Mm -hmm. You know, we live in a world where it's kind of, it's scary to stand out or to stand for something different. You know, we've come, we have come a long way. Talk about, you know, we, we condemn the way things are and we complain about it, but we have come a long way in a lot of ways. You know, Mm -hmm. it wasn't so long ago, a few hundred years ago where you literally couldn't speak certain things or else you'd be stoned in the streets. We're not Mm -hmm. quite doing that. Well, not in America. I think that unfortunately it can happen to other places of the world that I can't speak to because I'm not aware of yet. It's, it's, it has evolved in a way, right? We've come some distance anyways, to bring it back, I would just love to hear how your thoughts are on sovereignty and that idea of a, a spiritual sovereign being. What is that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a really, really potent and very good question. And, um, I think the first thing I just want to do is actually tag team on what you just talked about in terms of the historical context, right? Because for me, the historical context is different than most people because I've had, there's a living, breathing memory inside of my memories, inside of my body coming up. And so we have had multiple centuries, eons, of this suppression. We could call it the power over perspective, the victim victimizer programming, the patriarchal perspective, which has suppressed generation after generation after generation after generation after generation. generation. And so the reason why I bring this uh, up is because there's the historical context and then there is what I call the energetic inheritance very similar to what I was talking about before in terms of the inherent sense of familial trauma right which I see this a lot like I'm working with a person and I'm intuitively connecting with them I'm like something happened with your great 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 grandmother where are you from oh I'm from Russia and they lived through civil war and all of my family was killed except my great, great, great grandmother, you know, whatever, whatever story it is. So most of the time they don't even know what the story is, but the bottom line is that we have this inheritance of suppression, which is part of, we can say it's part of our ego, but it's the way that I see it is that it's part of our subconscious. It's even part of our unconscious, right? So as we go through that process that I was talking about before about coming into the way that i verbalize it because it's this is how it has happened for me is coming into higher self relationship with whatever contraction is there wherever it came from wherever the suppression arose from right then we have more freedom we have a little bit more freedom and then a little bit more freedom as we as we work this process more. We have more and more and more freedom, more space, more space, more space, right? And then as we come into direct contact more with the divine that actually lives within us, I think that's really, for me, that's when everything changed because um, I had this experience of doing this very work in a very, very dark place that I thought I was never going to get out of. I was in a meditation retreat again and it took days and days and days. And I was just sitting with this really, really, really dark, 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 gnarly energy inside of me from past life. It was a multiple, like a mini past lives together in a contraction. And what ended up happening is that I, I actually was able to contact the divine inside of me. That's a whole story unto itself. But the reason why I bring it up here is because when we, have that ability to make that contact inside of us, then we realize I'm divine. He's divine. She's divine. We're all divine. We all have that divinity inside of us. It's like God, goddess, the one, whatever word you use for creator, put divinity, a spark of divinity, more than a spark of divinity inside of us. As we come into contact with that, With that essence, we realize I am so powerful that I do not have to listen to these voices of suppression any longer, any longer. I get to speak my voice. I can speak my truth maybe not everyone agrees with me. That's okay. I don't need everyone to agree with me anymore because my survival is not dependent on what you believe because we're not in a place where we're being killed, at least for the majority of this world, for our beliefs, right? Hallelujah for that, that we've actually finally gotten to this place, right? So, for me it's really a combination of this understanding of our divine essence as well as coming into the freedom that naturally arises from this awareness that we no longer need to do anything for anybody else we can be we definitely can be kind and compassionate and caring and um you know giving in the, the ways that feel right for us but we don't have to do anything for another person, especially suppress who we are. That's what it means to me. And it's a, for me, one of the reasons why I do what I do personally, besides being, you know, kind of assured by the divine, now it's time to write a book and now it's time to teach, you know, all these different things. Um, but the, one of the reasons why I do this is because I, deeply care for humanity so much and especially for the divine feminine principle that's alive in every single woman of course and every single man as well right and so the divine feminine principle as we connect to the divine feminine principle more this naturally arises this 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 powerful um independence as well as care and compassion that they're just right there together right and so as especially as women and more and more into our power i believe that we're i i know at a very deep level that our world is going to balance more so i'm very 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 committed to helping women especially come into their divine sovereignty
0: yeah well thank you thank goodness we need as many people helping with that with that shift and that rebalancing because okay. i get that same sense that that was my true you know, first awakening was that was about women at first. It was just, it was, I went to, on a trip to the UK and I think I I connected with my heritage or ancestors because I came back and I also went to Bath in England, which is fairly close to um, Glastonbury. Yes. Which I've heard is a very sacred place. Um, It's considered the heart chakra of the world and because after that something just took over like something just was coming out of me that i was like what is this like why do i i had a calling to start women's groups and i was i was obsessed with like why is the world the way it is and we need to talk about this and we need women to talk about this we need to come together and say where how do we envision the world differently how do we shift out of these things because if we keep allowing the people that have established the world as it is today to keep doing it, we're just going to get more of the same. And that's not a criticism. We've all been a part of this. You know, right. I'm not one to say that it's just all, you know, the masculine's fault. It's we've all been in our more in our masculine, even women. And so it's about really, to me, de- stepping into the divine feminine is, is that releasing of force and might and just what mm-hmm. is there when we let go, when we go, because you said you connected with your divine self. That's a powerful thing. Because to me, that's the thing that's always there. Mm -hmm. Another interesting little awakening I had when I was young, I was in my 20s and I I was struggling a lot, so much with self-esteem and all this stuff. And I had this thought that said, a rose is always a rose. And I was like, what does that mean? And what it was is that you know, even when a a rose blooms, it still was once just a seed, but it's still always a seed. It's all, no matter how you change, no matter how you develop, you still have this essence that was always the beginning. And something about that really stuck with me, which was like, there's something in here that never changes. No matter what happens to me, no matter what I do, Mm -hmm. what people do to me, there's something, and it's that perfection, right? It's that divine self within that I was really being Awake that I was really being called to or kind of, it was wanting to be brought to my awareness. Like there's something, you're not who you think you are. Right. So to me, that's what the divine feminine is more inclined to. Cause it's the, it's to me, it's what's at rest. Even though women are very powerful in their own way, they have their own unique divine feminine power, but it's also about just allowing for what is so rather than What can we develop from here? Which is also important. You know, once we establish ourselves as divine being, awesome, let's create divine things, which to me is the masculine energy, which wants to see what can we grow from here? Because you don't, you know, you want growth. Growth is a beautiful thing. Development, see what can the world be? What can, what unique expressions can come forth in this universe? But if we don't acknowledge what the true source is and we don't attend to it and nurture it, then we're not going to get the results that we want that are going to reflect that true divine self is kind of how I see it. Does that, when you describe the divine feminine, how do you sort of see it and how do you see it coming forth in our world? Mm
1: -hmm. Really, Really good question. So, you know, in my experience of connecting with the divine feminine, she's many, 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 many things, right? There's the, essence of what i'll call the divine feminine energy or the divine feminine principle which is very similar to what you were just talking about we could say but that's you know the great void you know the you know, the ground that all comes from or we could say it's the the womb of the universe right heartbeat and in that place there is this uh fertile ground right the fertile ground that arises from the depths of meditation I know for, for myself, like most of the, my great ideas, you know, in terms of something I'm writing about or a new class or some way of looking at what I'm doing in the world in a new and unique way comes from that place of the void, the nothing. Right. And that could be in meditation, that could be walking in nature, connecting with, you know, the the energy overall. That could be in numerous different ways, but it happens when we slow down, where we're not so busy, 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 busy. Right. The masculine principle is more external. It's more like, okay, let's get this party started. Let's do and let's shift and let's, you know, and, and absolutely women have taken on more of that principle because that's what we were shown. We're like, well, they're powerful. We wanna be powerful too. And hallelujah that those women did what they did. Like I just a few months ago saw the one, saw the movie Suffragette and I was in tears and such deep gratitude for those women that did what they did because now we get to vote and now we get to do, have all of these different uh, ways of being that we didn't have before. These different civil rights, etc. The to come back to um, more specifics of your question in regard to how is the divine feminine moving in our present day life, what I want to say is that the divine feminine is like water, right? I think that's the most apt metaphor, and so water flows and water. Uh, actually erodes rock as it goes, right? And this water of the divine feminine is filled with love and care and compassion and power. And she will call you out if you are not in alignment as well, right? So so this water, it can be like hail, it can be like steam, it can be frozen, it can it can flow as well. And so my sense of it is that the divine feminine is actually waking up. Well, let me put it this way. The divine feminine has always been here. We're more waking up to the reality that she is here. And as our consciousness actually wakes up more and more, we can co-create with this energetic, right? An example of the divine feminine is, you know, there are more leaders in the Congress and other places, uh, other uh, presidents and prime ministers of women who are leading now than ever before. An example of this is that, there are more relationships that are based on equality than ever before. It's still a struggle, clearly, but there are more, right? Because the divine feminine is present within that woman and within that man, right? Uh, an example of this is how we are in general with communication. I mean, clearly, there are still issues clearly however more and more people are communicating from a deeper loving place so the reason why i say it in this in these big swaths is because the divine feminine is everywhere and in everything it's just a matter of how much are we aware of the balancing energy of her love and her presence and her power and her passion in our lives so my sense is that it's it's moving like this and as we move further into the next few decades, the next few centuries, we're gonna find more and more balance because automatically the divine, feminine, divine masculine and masculine and feminine energy in general are just going to be balanced because that's really what is wanted. I don't think any aspect of the divine feminine wants to be in charge. <laughs> you know, it's more like, I want to just love. That's what I get from her. I just want to love and to care and to provide so that there can be balance and unification
0: yeah and and that's the same message i've got is that it's not wanting to take over or overpower what is in any way it's just wanting to be able to have its presence its rightful presence in this place that can enable balance and can just enable a, a greater experience of existence in life for those on this planet You know, and it's sort of, I feel it has this knowing that, you know, that it is possible to to have more peace. I think peace is a key word. You know, I, I know very few people who have a great peace in their life. Most of us would describe ourselves as often distressed, anxious, overwhelmed, you know it's it's a and and I think that the divine feminine is just this knowing that it doesn't have to be this way and that it is another way is possible if it this like i just envisioned like this water just being able to flow into the situation into you know the sphere and be present this this blanket of water watery love and and you know that sounds <laughs> a little you know like too much of a hippie prospect, but it isn't it just to me, it's just more um you know, sensical, it's, it's just more, um, almost realistic than what we're doing now and more natural. That's the better word. Natural. I think right. that the world, the way it is now is very unnatural. I don't think it's a natural state to be like this, to be, cause you described earlier, it's you know, when we're somatics, you're, you're noticing blocks in the body, constrictions in the body. That's when we always have issues is when things are constricted and, you know, closed off. And that's not natural. What's natural is for free flowing movement. That's why when we find a block anywhere, we're always like, oh, this, whether it's, you know, a physical block, like needing to like remove a block in the road or in our bodies, it's like, oh, this is blocking an artery. This is blocking something we need to remove it. So it's not natural to have it there. And so to me, it's just, that's what all the divine feminine wants is can we move it more back to a natural state where things flow flow, water. That's why that's all, all that imagery is so feminine because that's what the feminine is, is just this natural flowing. That's right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So another piece I'd love to talk about that you have a lot of connection with Melissa is the idea of ascended masters and how they've been really a part of your, your journey and really your sounds like sort of your Teaching, like your education that you received, kind of those guided you. Because to me, the ascended masters are kind of nebulous to me in terms of what that actually is. I know that I've had times where I've just been kind of different archangels or ascended masters have kind of come into my awareness, and I've I've thought just felt connected to it. But and I've I've been told that their presence was with was with me by other readers. But I'm just curious to hear from you how that came into your life and how that's assisted in your spiritual growth and development?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the first thing I just want to say is that I would not be here if it wasn't for Ascended Masters. I would not be teaching what I'm teaching now if it wasn't for them. So my sense of it is that it was really a, a mixture of um, a natural intuitive ability. Plus I had gone to a school of energy medicine. So I was, I was already able to tune in, right? I was already in my practice. I call myself a medical intuitive and I would look physiologically and what's going on emotionally intuitively. So I already had that connection in on an intuitive level. So a mixture of that, what I call the kind of the natural mystic uh, connected with absolute need, absolute need in terms of my deep desire to heal, my deep desire to feel peace in my life, my deep desire to shift um, these traumas that were arising. And so there are a few different things that happened. um, But I will say the first thing that really, really, really happened that got my full attention is When I was in this dark night of the soul process, I was probably, it was probably year six, actually. Remember how I said, you know, from year five to six, there was a huge shift. And what happened is that I was awakened in the middle of the night with this vision of Yeshua and Mary Magdalene. And, you know, I grew up Christian, but it was Southern Baptists. and we changed to Methodist, but I was never, by the time I got into college, I, I could really see a lot of the, what I call the negative dogmatic aspects of that. And so I had shifted. I was, you know, I was a yoga teacher. I have been studying Buddhism. I had studied with many different Native American teachers. You know, I'd even tried out paganism for a while. And so I definitely was not a Christian no, not a Christian at all. And here's Yeshua and Mary Magdalene showing up in my vision in the middle of the night. And when they show up, you pay attention. (laughs) right? So I was paying attention. And so what I was told is that it's time for me to go through this initiatory experience. It's time for me to remember who I am and to teach it to others great. What does that mean? My mind was like, oh my God, (laughs) I just had (laughs) this vision. So at that point I got really serious with my spiritual practice because that's what I was told to do. And they gave me some, you know, specific guidelines, like meditate this much per day, no alcohol for the next year, you know? And I was like, really? Okay. Vision, I'm paying attention. Not that I was a big drinker to begin with, but you know, letting go of all these different things so that's when i started having these deep connections with at first was mary magdalene and then it was kuan yin and yasha would come in occasionally but i knew i was teaching or i was learning rather at this point i didn't know that i was going to teach this i was learning something that was deeply connected to the divine feminine of this, what I call the divine feminine awakening of down and in, down and into our body as compared to up and out, right? Leaving. Right? So, somewhere around that time, I, I'll just say this I started meditating a lot. And I went went on a lot of meditation retreats and had a lot of personal retreats. I went on pilgrimage to France. And each time I would have a, a deepening of my meditation practice or being in the sacred land where Mary Magdalene walked in France, I started having these deeper connections with different ascended masters, Mother Mary, as well as... Um, Green Tara, even right, she's not part of the, you know, typically part of the Christ family, but she's part of the Divine Feminine Christ Council, right, as, as well as Hathor and Isis, and they would come to me, and and the thing that I I've received the most from them is there, there are teachings that come connected to words, and then there's the transmission, and the transmissions you feel in your body. Because with awakening, I'm sure you experience this as well. Awakening is not a mental process. Awakening is something that you feel, that you know, you sense, you intuit in your body. And I could feel these teachers coming to me and, and transmitting things to me that would actually shift things in my being. They would help, you know, contractions that I, I didn't know how to actually work with because they were so dense and so old, they would be like... Okay, here, just breathe, let it go. And then an hour later, it would be completely shifted, right? As an example. And so because they've been so significant in my own life, I started transmitting them when I started teaching. It was just the natural next step. You know, I actually, I had a podcast, it was just for a year, but every single time I would get on the podcast, I would do some level of transmission. Most of the time, whenever I was teaching, just me, I was interviewing a person or, you know, in my teachings, on my retreats or on my classes, an example of this, this is perfect because I, I just had a, um, a group gathering on Tuesday with one of my classes in body healing and freedom, which is an introduction to somatic awakening. And we were meeting and a person was doing a check-in and they said, oh my God, this transmission from, I think it was Mother Mary, class three, it's changed my life. Now I get it. I get what you've been talking about, but the transmission like brought it into my being so I could feel it and sense it. Oh my God, now I understand why you offer these transmissions as part of that. Because, you know, I have the wisdom teachings, I have the meditations, but the transmissions really help bring it all in because it's the activation on the feeling energetic, somatic level so that people can make these big shifts.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for for sharing that with us and for allowing Mm -hmm. a greater understanding. I think the more that I feel like things like this, because everything involved with this you know, our spiritual awakenings, our spiritual and soul understanding, there's so many facets to it that it's, you know, there's so many different times you have to hear and revisit things. I don't know if you experienced that, but, you know, like the first time that I ever heard, you know, about an awakening. And it's at first you're like, what does that even mean? And then over time, over time, you just, you gather all these different understandings until you, just like anything else that you learn, it's, it's, you know, I mean, I'm a big believer that we don't learn anything. We just remember so it's all these things that help us to remember what is so, but it takes going over and over it. So every time I hear more about ascended masters and connecting with these concepts and what it really means, it helps to further further formulate my idea about it until it just, it just starts to be. It's not something I have to reach for or grasp for. It just is. I just have this mm-hmm. sense of it, right? Mm-hmm. which I think is is what true knowing is. And it, that makes me think about a point that you made. Um, you know, you're kind of talking about that. You said an awakening doesn't happen in your mind, right? And that reminds me of... So I got sober in 2015 from drugs and alcohol. And I went to 12-step programs. And I remember... And it, they had great little nuggets there. There were so many wonderful little things that would come in because I wasn't spiritual at all or... I was spiritual, but I was very adverse to... Because like so many people, I tied any sort of concept of a a God or a source with religion. And so I naturally kind of was repelled by it. But I remember hearing, as I was trying to formulate, well, if I don't believe in that, then what do I feel? What, What do I believe in? And I remember hearing that you can't figure out God, and just God is another word for source or life or whatever. You, you mm. can't figure out God, it can only be felt. Yes. And that really hit me because I always try to start from logic. I'm a pretty like, okay, let's, I'm a Virgo and I think just a pretty like type A. So I'm like, okay, let's put down the facts. Let's get things together. Let's make it make sense. Let Like explain this to me so I can have an understanding. So it's been hard for me because the biggest part of spirituality is moving from your head to your heart. Mm. There's another fan, there's a fantastic book called The Seed of the Soul. I think it's like Gary, Gary, um, so, Source is Z. yeah something like that and he says the longest journey you'll ever take is from your head down to your heart and right. because it's going from that trying to figure everything out which life cannot be figured out god source the divine anything you can't figure it out because our brain is just a tool to get through the 3d life yes. it's exactly. not even a part of our true essence it's just something that we use to like navigate so you have to tap drop into your feelings and that's Again, it's very watery. Emotions are watery. Feelings are watery. So it can feel like, well, I can't grasp onto this. Like you can't, because that's, and I think that's why we love science so much. Many of us is because, okay, you tell me that X plus Y equals Z. Perfect. Thank you. That's an easy answer. It makes sense. (laughs) It's never changing. That's why math can be so delightful. Cause it's like, yes, this equation every time, same thing. I like it. But when you get more into this realm, it's, you know, again, it's watery. And it's more about, well, because I think it, comes back to this fact that what is truth? Well, truth is what you feel. Truth is different for every single person. I think there's some absolute truths about life and source and divinity, but I think that, you know, truth can be very, it's what you experience. It comes back to sovereignty, right? Yeah. Don't take anyone else's truth for your own. Only mm-hmm. you can know that. So, um, yeah. So I appreciate that. I remem- remembering that, you know, spiritual awakenings isn't, it can't be logically, discovered. And I I think I still try to do that. And that's when I come to my greatest hurdles is like, okay, you know, that this isn't going to (laughs) work to try and logically decide like, well, this shouldn't have happened. And this should be happening. I mean, first, I think anytime you use the word should, you're already kind (laughs) of getting a little bit (laughs) off course. That dang word. Um, That's right. Yeah. I like to offer my clients when they're stuck in that shitting on ourselves is to shift it into instead of a should, which is kind of like a, you know, finger wagging thing it's more of a a could where it's an option this could right. be could be yeah. it doesn't have to be but it could exactly right? more permission yeah yeah giving permission so wow melissa this has been such a beautiful conversation and exploration thank you for sharing your experience and your story thank you for being an inspiration for those of us mm. stuck in this process that are like does it ever end? Is, do, and But to be fair, <laughs> the answer is no, it doesn't does. ever end. <laughs> like, <laughs> it gets better go. though. It gets it easier. Gets and it, like, anyway. it's the same as like, you know, when you're in like, you know, elementary school, you can get frustrated with certain things. And you're like, well, I ever understand this. And, you know, 15 years later, you can be getting your doctorate and it doesn't mean it's easy, but it means you've learned better tools and ways to learn and grow. So you're not just like a little kid crying, at their homework. I mean, maybe sometimes, <laughs> but even <laughs> as an adult. But you know what I mean? So it's encouraging to hear that um, because you know, life is growth, life is evolving. So it never ends. But it just it I think that we're at, I almost feel like where humans are is one of the hardest cruxes, one of the hardest points, because it truly is that shift from that who we think we are, which is our ego, which is our physical self, to wait a minute, maybe that's what everything that I thought isn't. So we a right. lot of what I thought. And that's, it's tough. It so, is well. tough. It is tough. But when we don't do it, it puts us in a very compromised and challenging position, which is I think where most of the world finds itself. We're mm-hmm. sick. We're depressed. We're unhappy. Okay. We're anxious. We're addicted. We're X, Y, Z, XYZ, L, M, N, O, P. We're everything. We're experiencing And it's just, it's just reached this fever pitch of, the the suffering and misery is far outweighing the joy, and it just again the divine feminine knowing it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. There is another way, and it's possible. You know, we created things this way; we can recreate them. That's right. Yeah, and that's the exciting part of life. Yeah, But I think we do have this ego mentality of, nope, this is the way things are and they're going to stay this way and we're just stuck. This is just, you know, when people say like, oh, you know, life's a bitch and then you die and things like that. It's like, this is just, these are, these are the breaks. This is how it works. But I think that's, that was again, a part of my early awakening was like, I don't think that's true. I don't think we have to be live like this and feel so bad about ourselves all the time and feel so, okay. you know, stressed and uh, in, in, uh, um, inadequate, right? Mm-hmm. So, and to me, that's, again, the divine feminine is like this big, like a warm embrace, a hug that says you are enough. You're actually miraculous and amazing to be Mm -hmm. real. (laughs) Like your potential is incredible. And I wish for others to know that as I wish for myself to know that, because I know that the more I know that, the more I can be a light for others. And I think that's why I'm so um, driven and pulled at this time to connect with women like yourself, because... Um, I know I want to speed up my process, but I also want other people to be able to speed up theirs and continue theirs. And I think this is how it happens through, you know, the spoken word, through sharing these ideas, sharing our experiences.
1: Exactly. Well, thank you, Whitney, for doing what you are doing. I see you and I appreciate you. And I, you know, my sense is that this is all built upon one another, right? Because I had amazing, great teachers and mentors who helped me. And now... You know, I'm being called out to help others, just like you are being called out to help others. And the more people actually connect into our soul's light and into our soul's mission at the core of our being and our divine sovereignty, then the more we stand in our true authentic power and speak our voice and our power and what we're here to do. Every person has a very unique divine mission. It could look very, very different. But as we stand in that divine mission, then that is what's going to change the world. One step at a time, as we disassemble all of those little parts or big parts that keep us confined and locked down in the box of ego safety.
0: Yeah, This is who we really are. Absolutely. And it's going to be so beautiful as that continues to happen more and more for more people. Yeah. And I can't wait to see it. I think we'll see some of it in our lifetime, but I think I'm a, you know, a big... Um, advocate of the notion, you know, the shamanic notion of seven generations where we're the work we do today is for hundreds of years from now, the quality of life at that time to plant Mm -hmm. the seeds and enable that, you know, awakening opening to how life can be. Absolutely. I actually had a vision
1: um, it was actually this time last year I had COVID and I had it pretty bad. I was down for a few weeks. And during that time, I had a lot of visions when I'm, when I have fevers, I have visions <laughs> and I was shown more like I came into contact with the people in the future who actually had taken this work and had evolved it and were teaching it. And they're like, please please keep on teaching. Please publish this book. This is so needed. It's so needed. You have no idea. And I was like,
0: Oh my God. Okay. I'll do it. it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's incredible. How beautiful. I have the same vision. I have. Yes. And I've told people that I have this vision of almost like when people sit around campfires at that time, we're going to be this parable of there was once a time where the world was completely divided and completely unequal, and some people had everything they could ever want and all the riches, and some people had absolutely nothing and didn't eat and would die. And as as a, you know, a um, a warning of this is how it can be if we don't stay connected, if we don't stay in this place of balance and harmony, and you know, allowing that divine and divine masculine to be present, right? So I I share that vision. I think a lot of us do. It's like we're being called because you know, there's reality is there's no time. That future is existing right now, this very second. And they're saying, "Come on, it's great here. Come on in. Come, the water (laughs) is wonderful. It's nice. It's free. It's way better. Get the heck out of those chains, y'all are wearing. It's possible. And that's what I I think we're feeling that call to. I think that's why it's speeding up. We're hitting this you know this point where things are really quickening. And because we want to get there. So I'm glad that you and I both see that paradise in the, right. in the, in the near future. That's right. Well, exactly. Maybe a little bit distant, but you know, it's coming. It's coming. And the place beyond time, it already is. It already is. That's right. So it is. Well, so thank it. you so much, Melissa. This was so wonderful. I'd love to have you back on the show again at some point. Right. Keep this going. To. It's been a
1: delight talking to you. And again, thank you. I really enjoyed connecting
0: absolutely take care okay you too bye that wraps up our beautiful conversation with our wonderful guests thank you so much for listening to the women waken podcast if you enjoyed this episode please do share it with others and come back for more if anything you heard resonates leave a review or send me an email at whitney at com and check out the website womenwaken.com have a wonderful rest of your day And don't forget to let your light shine and keep an eye out for your special gifts and magic.